0: Uh, for those of you who might not know me, my name is Jonathan. Uh, I'm the campus pastor here, and uh, as you just saw, we are starting off a, a new sermon series here at Central uh, that we are calling Doubt. And uh, essentially, what we're going to be doing for the fall is taking a look at the questions that you just saw scroll across the screen. Hopefully, you got uh, a little booklet that outlines uh, the questions we're going to deal with over the fall. If not, I uh, will have some more after the service for you. You can grab one of those. But essentially, we're going to take each of these big faith barrier kind of questions, one each week, and just walk through that and and see if we can understand what the Bible has to say about some of these big questions that we have in life. Well, for this morning, we are going to be looking a little bit more of an introduction into this series, but we're going to be taking a look at doubt itself, what what causes us to doubt, and, and really, how do we respond to it? Because the truth is, all of us, all of us are going to go through a period of doubt. We, we doubt about all kinds of different things from, from maybe from, you know, should I marry this person? Is this the right person for me or, or is my spouse actually going to be faithful? Am I going to be faithful? We can have all kinds of doubts. We can doubt about our our job. Is this the right career path for me? Is this the right place for me to go? Should I move my family now or or should I move them later or not at all? In fact, I think in parenting, I think you could probably doubt every single decision that you do. Did I I speak to my kids the right way? Should Should I have disciplined them in a different way? Should I have done this? Should I not have done that? We can be overcome with lots and lots of doubts. And the same thing is true in our faith. When it comes to God, is He real? Sh- should I actually be trusting the Bible? Uh, how do I know if I'm actually saved? We, we have all kinds of different doubts that, that creep in, and-, and really what I find so challenging for this is how often the, the church isn't a good place to ask those questions. Because the truth is, all of us are dealing with doubt in some way or another. We're going to have times where we are doubting, and sometimes we come to church and we just put on a fake smile and we pretend like everything in our life is going well, even though it's not. Right? We we almost are ashamed to admit the fact that we have these questions, that we don't know how to answer these things, and we're struggling. We think that it's some kind of failure to have have a doubt in our minds. We think it's some kind of shameful thing if we were to actually say, I don't know how to work through this kind of stuff. But the exact opposite is really true. The church is to be a place… What we do every single week is we open the Bible and we say, what does this say? Because we need to know. We need to find out, how does this actually apply to our lives? That's what we do in the Christian life. We're always asking the question, what does God have to say for me? And so if we ever think that that the church isn't a place where we can ask these questions, we've misunderstood what church is really all about. We're intended to do these things, and so this fall, I want to invite you into uh, some of the tougher questions, some of the ones that that, that maybe we have been wrestling with, or or maybe you know people who have, right? The truth is we want to talk about it because we're going to do far more damage if we don't than if we actually bring it up. Right? We'll do far more damage by not talking about these kinds of questions or, or concerns than we ever will by actually bringing them out to the light and testing them and working through them. Some of you might know, just just a few weeks ago, uh, there was a, a Christian worship leader from Hillsongs down in Australia. Uh, they, they've written lots of different worship songs that uh, some of you might know. And one of their worship leaders, a guy by the name of Marty Sampson, made an announcement on Instagram because it's 2019 and that's what we do, all right? So, he made this announcement on Instagram in which he said, I'm losing my faith. I'm genuinely losing my faith. And it was, it was quite a long article and he wrote down a lot of the reasons he had. So, so, let me just read some of them for you. This is what he wrote. He said, this is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. Later on, he says, I want genuine truth, not the I just believe it kind of truth. He goes on in the article to give more reasons, it's because science has disproved so much of the Bible, it's because a loving God wouldn't send people to hell, it's because all the religions really seem to teach the same thing, so just be a good person and I'm sure you'll be fine. I'll admit, it it was kind of heartbreaking to read that from him, from a guy who who has been a, a worship leader. It can be a little bit disillusioning to hear someone say those kinds of things. But what struck me while I was reading that was just the number of times he said, no one talks about it. No one talks about it. He repeated it over and over after he mentions all of these things. And it's heartbreaking for me, for one, because actually the church does talk about it. We, we should be a place where we can bring these genuine questions and doubts forward and talk about them in the church. Because actually, for the last 2,000 years, the church has been talking about these things. There wasn't any question that he had in there that was completely new, that that no one has ever answered before. Actually, we we do talk about it. And so, I I want us to be a church where no one can say, we don't talk about it. We're going to bring these things up. Because the truth is, if we let those doubts fester, if we let them just kind of sit quietly and we never deal with them more likely it's going to cause problems than if we just brought them to the light so really that's the first reason we want to do this series we didn't by the way we didn't plan it to be a response to him we planned this months ago but but it just illustrates the point if we don't deal with these things they can cause us problems so the first reason we want to do this series is simply because we all doubt we all have questions And the second reason is is quite simple. It's whether or not you have this question right now, you probably know someone who does, right? You probably know someone who has many of these questions. 1 Peter 3.15, it's quite a well-known verse. It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Peter says we are to be a people ready to give a defense, give a reason for the hope that we have in Jesus. And so, whether or not we have these doubts right now, you probably know someone who does. And so, we want to be able to equip you to give an answer for some of these questions, right? We actually took our our series, the questions that we're going to walk through, we actually just took them from one of the latest Barna studies. They're a group that, that studies sort of faith in North America. And they did this big study in terms of different generations. What are the big questions that people are asking? What are the big faith barriers uh, that people have? And so essentially, we just grabbed that list and said, all right, let's deal with each of them. And so that's why uh, we got these things. And I can even say from my own life, these are often the questions that people have. As I share my faith, these are pretty common responses. And so whether or not you're necessarily wrestling with them, you probably will at some point. Right? We as Christians are called to give a reason for our hope, but do it with gentleness and respect. And please don't skip over that last little bit. That's pretty important. In fact, if you follow, say, politics, politics deals with lots of disagreements, and it's almost sad to see a lot of the times, instead of being a discussion and a rational understanding of, of, you know, one side or the other, it usually ends up devolving into insults and name calling. That is not to be our response. That's not how we're going to handle this series. It's not going to be just simply bashing someone that we disagree with. Actually, it's my goal to represent them as fairly as I possibly can. I'm not going to insult people in this series. We're not going to make fun of them. We're not going to uh, call them names or anything else. Actually, we want to be able to actually disagree with someone with gentleness and respect or as the book of Ephesians calls us, speak the truth in love, that we can actually love someone as we even disagree with them. So that's really what this series is designed to be. We're we're wanting to walk through all of these difficult questions actually so that we can first have them wrestled with in our own lives, but then so that we can give a reason to others. So that means we actually have to dive into doubt. We have to dive into the things that that cause us to be a little bit uncertain, to be a little bit unstable in in what we believe. And so just starting off, let's just ask, where do these things come from? Where do we get doubts? How do they crop up in our lives? If they are so common, if we all have them, where are they constantly coming from? Well, I think Jesus gives us a pretty helpful outline, right? If you remember the, the parable of the four soils, Right, Jesus tells the story of this farmer who's going out and he's going to scatter seed on his field. And as he's doing so, the seed lands on all different places, four different soils, he says. One is on the path, they're immediately snatched away and they're gone. But the other three land in the field but only one ends up making it to the end. And Jesus says there's two reasons. One, it's it's the trials, it's the suffering that they face eventually withers out that faith. The second, it's because the cares of life come in and and draws them away. And I think that's actually a helpful kind of uh, pattern for us to follow when we think about doubts coming into our mind. Oftentimes it is one of those two things. It's some big personal trauma that we face, right? Something we didn't expect. All of a sudden, we're going through a trial, we're suffering, and, and, and we're starting to shake in our faith, right? Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Someone you were close to passes away suddenly, you didn't expect it, and now you're starting to wonder, well, well why would God allow that to happen? I, I thought He was a good God and you're starting to, to, to waver just a little bit, or, or maybe it's something like a relationship that you had suddenly breaks down. They weren't faithful to you, and now you're sitting there going, I, I, I don't really know how to handle this anymore. Maybe it's something like a diagnosis. Suddenly the doctor says, it is cancer, actually, and, and you're put on your back foot, and you're thinking, I don't know what to think about any of this. In fact, probably the most common doubt that comes into our minds is exactly that. Suddenly, we're faced with something we weren't expecting, and we don't know how to deal with it. Oftentimes, this gets compounded when we have misunderstandings about who God is, right? We say things like, well, well God would always give me what I want, so, so why is this happening? God wouldn't allow anything bad to happen to me. If I just believed more, then this wouldn't be happening. So, so, so how do I deal with this? Sometimes we get ourselves wrapped up simply because we've misunderstood who God is, and, and our faith that is shaking is sometimes not even a faith from the Bible, it's a faith in our own minds, right? Sometimes we, it's not even our own suffering, sometimes it's just looking out at others. We can look at the world around us and we can say, there's so much evil. There's so many horrible things happening constantly. Racism, there is wars going on, there is entire nations and families being ripped apart all over the world. How is it that God is good when we constantly see all these things, this injustice in the world? We can wonder this from a philosophical sense or even from a personal sense, but either way, these are very overt things that come into our lives, very, very obvious in a sense, but there's some far more covert, far more subtle ways that doubt can creep into our minds. It's what Jesus calls these, these cares of the world. We get wrapped up in thinking only and ever about the here and now, and it's so much that doubt about who God is begins to creep in. Hasn't science just disproved the Bible? How can we possibly believe in a supernatural being? How how irrational is that? Can't see, touch, hear, or smell Him? How could this possibly be something you would believe? Sometimes it's because we just simply let sin creep into our lives unchecked. And it's growing for so long, and eventually it's just pulling you further and further away from God. And the doubts begin to creep in because you're trying to just justify all of the things that you know you shouldn't be doing, but they're taking control. It's a far more subtle way for doubt to begin to creep in, very slowly working its way. But the truth is, doubt can come from a lot of different places. There's all kinds of different things that can happen. Sometimes it's disappointment with God, feeling like you're just not very close, that He's not really there, and it became easy to be overwhelmed quickly. And so, the reason I even just point this out as we begin is simply to make you aware of how doubt can come into our lives, and we need to know where they come from so we can actually learn to deal with them. That's really the the goal that we have. What exactly do we do? If we all do face these doubts, how do we deal with it? All right, and so let me give you two ways. This is really what we wanna talk about this morning. Two ways to deal with doubt, all right? First one is simple. Doubt your doubts. Doubt your doubts, all right? Actually think about the things that, that are causing you to be uncertain. Right? Question, ask the question, why should I believe that? Why should I believe this doubt? Let me give you an example. A lot of times I hear people come and they'll say something to the tune of, well, religion is responsible for 90% of all the wars that have ever happened on planet Earth. Right? Something to that extent, right? Religion is the cause of all wars, or most wars, or some wars, or religion causes war right? You may have heard someone say something like this before, and that can be a genuine cause for concern, right? Well, if religion causes war and strife and suffering, and Christianity is wrapped up in there because, hey, we had the Crusades, so so Christianity is now responsible for, for some of the suffering and the evil that takes place in the world. Certainly, I can't believe in that, Certainly, that would be a good reason not to believe in all of this Bible stuff. And it's very easy to let that become a stumbling block, to, to actually say that that's a genuine doubt, a worry that I have in my life. So, so what do we do? When we're faced with that, how, how do we react when we say, doubt your doubts? Actually, actually look at that claim and say, wait, hold, hold on, is that actually true? Are most wars caused by religion? Because actually, when you start to look at history, you're going to see, actually, a lot of the wars aren't started on religious grounds. Actually, they're because people are greedy. They want more. They want more money. They want more power, right? I want to conquer the next person so that I can have rule over a greater and greater and greater territory. Oftentimes, it's pride. Someone gets insulted and a battle happens because of it. In fact, I would argue, actually, the human heart produces most wars. In fact, I I looked up, there is a, I didn't know this before, but there is an encyclopedia of wars. So, the encyclopedia of wars says, out of 1,763 documented wars that have taken place, only 123 had religion as their primary cause. It's about 7%. See, it's one of those things that when you actually look into it, the claim doesn't look very good at all. Actually, religion hasn't been the cause of most wars or even many wars on earth. Most of them have been caused simply by the human heart wanting more and more. We actually need to doubt our doubts. We need to question them and say, why should I believe this and not allow them to to continue to resonate in our minds, actually to filter what we are thinking about. See, a couple weeks ago we, we preached through uh, the book of Philippians, and we were in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Justin preached through that. And, and what that verse is, is essentially a filter for our minds, a way of thinking, a route for us to go through as we think through different things. Philippians 4, 8, I, I hope you memorize it. It's a good verse to memorize. It says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything that is excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, right? It's this filter for us to go through. And so, let's just stop at the first one, is it true? Sometimes we need to doubt our doubts, Because the truth is, most of the time, our doubts are not nearly as destructive as we think they are, they're not nearly as destructive as they think they are when we actually bring them out, right? Oftentimes we've put far too much weight on our doubting and far too little weight on the Word of God. So the first thing that we ought to do when we actually come to doubts, when we have these things, let's put them to the test bring them out, bring them into the light, and say, is this even true? Let's not allow just falsehood and rumor to circulate through our minds and actually cause us to waver. But here's the thing. Sure, some of them can be dealt with in that way, but what if they can't? What if it takes more than just a Google search and a quick fact check, and you're not exactly sure how to work through your doubts? What if we don't have an easy answer? Because here's a little bit of a preview for what's coming up. There won't be simple, easy answers, right? We won't be able to wrap up everything. I won't answer every single question that could be asked on these topics in 35 minutes. That's not what's going to happen. And so there very well may be questions you still have that are going to be resonating in your mind, and you're going to say, well, what do I do now? What do I do when I can't sort through this in, in a few minutes or even a few hours? So, here's what I'm going to say. Learn to lament. Learn to lament well. Now, that might not be the answer that you were expecting, but, but hear me out. The book of Psalms that we have in our Bible is the Uh, It was the nation of Israel's song book, right, it's where they brought all their worship music was from this book of Psalms, and if you actually read through the book of Psalms, there are lots of them that are exuberant in praise and worship and adoration of God, but about a third of them are laments, they're sad. You read them and you think, "This this is almost depressing, why is this in the Bible? Like, this is so horrible. And we want to just skip right past them and, oh, let's get to the next one that looks happy. All right, yeah, yeah, we'll go to that one. But actually, I think we do ourselves a disservice when we do that because we actually need to learn how to lament well, how to go to God and say, God, I, I don't know what's going on what is happening here? How do I deal with this? God, I'm so conflicted. I've got all this in me. God, please help me. And I want us to learn how to lament well. Because if we can learn how to do that, if we can learn how to go to God in the middle of our trial, we can do that with our doubts. So, if you have a Bible with you, let me invite you to open to Psalm chapter 13, Psalm chapter 13 is a psalm of lament. In fact, it's probably one of the more famous lament psalms, and because it's it's quite short and it's quite clear, we're going to use that to simply say, how should we deal with doubt? All right? Psalm chapter 13, this is what it has to say. To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Forever? But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Like I said, this is this is a short little psalm, but it's powerful, isn't it? I think all of us at some point or another can relate to the feeling that David has here. How long is this going to go on? It seems like God is nowhere near. God, where are you? And see, this is what I want us to see. A proper biblical lament is actually a seeking to God. It's seeking after God more and more. You see, when David is writing this psalm, he's not running away from God. Actually, what is he doing? He's running to God. He is going to God. This is his prayer that he is giving up to God and saying, God, it feels like you are nowhere near. Where are you? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? you hear just the brutal honesty in that? Right? David's not, not holding back. This is how he genuinely is feeling. This is what's going on in his life. And, and I'm going to almost guess that most of us don't pray like that. We, we almost don't even think we should pray like that. We, we would almost say, well, that's almost disrespectful to God to, to actually pray and say, God, you even, You're not even here. How long are You going to leave me hanging out to dry?'" Yet that's exactly what David is doing. And there's a reason it's in our Bible. It's because when we're going through trials, when we've got doubt swirling through our minds, the best response we can have is actually to go to God. Instead of letting these doubts drive us away, further away from God, we say, actually, I'm going to go to God with my doubt with my questions, with my lament, with this trial, I'm going to go because, God, you are the one who's going to be able to help me through, and I can't do it myself. Verse 2, he says, how long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? David here goes straight to God and just lays out exactly what he's thinking exactly what's going on. Here is his complaint. Now, we don't know exactly what David was talking about when he wrote this one, but we know a good deal about his life. We know he was a guy who was very well versed with sorrow and pain From early on when King Saul was trying to kill him constantly, chasing him all over the country, to when he eventually became king and his own son led a coup against him and he had to flee for his life. He knew what this felt like. He knew what it was like to have people coming after him and enemies laughing at him every time he fell. And so, what does he do? He leans further into God. He leans further into God. See, I think we need to learn how to do this. How often are our prayers just the same things we say every single day, like we're reciting some sort of chant or or mantra, and all feeling has absolutely left the prayers we're giving. Actually, this is exactly the opposite. This is going to God and saying, this is everything that's going on in my heart. God, why is this happening? Help me go through this. Here's the thing. God isn't scared by that. God's not scared by by what's going on in our hearts. He already knows it. He's not scared by tough questions. He's not scared by by all the things, all the doubts that might crop up. God isn't frightened by that. So let us go to Him with that. And then verse 3, David actually asks for God's help. Verse 3, he says, consider and answer me, O Lord my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. See, David, as he's facing this trial, he goes to God and then he says, God, you have to help me. You've got to help me please work in my life. Give me light in my eyes again. You can almost see him, just these dead, tired eyes, just tormented in his own heart, in his own soul as he's been wrestling through these things and he's going to God and saying, God, please help me. That sounds so simple. Yeah, how often do we not do that? How often do we even pray to God and say, oh, Lord, I... I don't know. I I guess I need your help. Um, Please do something. We we pray like we don't think God's going to do anything. We pray like we actually don't expect Him to answer our prayers. David goes and says, God, here is exactly what I'm feeling. Here's exactly what's going on. Now, Lord, please give me the energy to go through this. Actually, work in my life so that I might not perish. David goes trusting that God is actually going to be able to answer his prayers. So, when we're facing these doubts, facing these questions, we have these things, our response needs to be going to God, bringing all of it before Him and saying, Lord, I'm trusting You for the answer. I'm trusting You that You will help me through this. I'm trusting You that You will bring me to the point that I can understand. And then verse 5, we get the last point. He sets his trust in God's promise. Verse 5, he says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. See, David reminds himself of what God has done. He reminds himself of the promises that God has given to him. He reminds himself of the salvation that God has assured to him. His love is steadfast. Even when it feels like God is nowhere near, he says, I know that you are. I know that even though it feels like you haven't been around, that you are there. Right? God's faithfulness is not dictated by how we're feeling that day. Our emotions are far more fickle than God. No, He is steadfast, and no matter what storm is raging in our hearts. And so David says, even in the midst of that, I know I can rejoice. I know I can rejoice, even in the midst of all of this torment that my soul seems to be getting thrown around in, I can rejoice in the Lord. If you've ever been to a a funeral where they've sung the hymn, It Is Well, With My Soul. I think it's very much that experience. If you know the hymn and how it goes, he writes in it, Horatio Spafford, the man who wrote it, he says, When peace like a river attendeth my way, When sorrows like the sea billows and roll, Whatever my lot, he has taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. If you know the story behind those lines, you'll know he wrote that very soon after his wife and children had actually drowned in a boating accident. The entire ship went down on the crossing from, I believe, America to England, and the ship went down. And as he was then sailing that very same route, he wrote these lines. When the sea, when sorrows like the sea billows and roll. See, he knew exactly what it was to go through sorrow, but he wrote that. Why? Why could it be well with his soul even in that moment? Well, it's because of what Jesus had done. It was the salvation. He was reminding him of God's faithfulness no matter what. That even though he was overcome with sorrow and all of these things that had happened to him, that he could still say, God is faithful nonetheless. See here, if we want to learn how to lament well, and I think we should, we we are far too... (sighs) adverse to even feeling sadness. We try and flee away from it as soon as we can, yet we actually need to learn how to lament well in a biblical way, that is, that we keep our eyes fixed on what God has done, on the salvation He has given, even as we bring all of our struggles, all of our doubts before God. That is what it means to lament well. Do you remember the story of Jesus walking on the water? It's in Matthew's gospel. You might remember Jesus is with His disciples, and He sends them across the Sea of Galilee. I want you to cross over to the other side. I'll meet you there. Jesus goes off by Himself to pray. And as they are trying to get across this lake, as they get into the middle, there's this huge storm that's pushing them back, and they're fighting against it, and they're stuck out in the middle of the lake. And in the middle of that, Jesus comes walking to them, standing on the water. And the disciples at first are are frightened. They don't know what to make of this. And and Peter, being kind of the the impetuous one, he he says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to get out and and walk on the water. So Jesus says, all right, come on out. Peter steps out of the boat, stands on the water, and starts actually walking towards Jesus. But what happens? If you know the story, you'll know Peter takes his eyes off Jesus. Jesus starts looking at the waves and the water all around him. And and for that moment, he goes, what am I doing? And he starts sinking. Matthew 14, 31 says, and Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? See, here's the thing. Peter had doubts the whole way, didn't he? From the boat, he had doubts, was that really Jesus? From the boat, he said, I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to do that, yet yet he's going out. When did the doubting become a problem? It's when he took his eyes off Jesus. While he had his eyes on Jesus, sure, he still had doubts, and yet it wasn't the problem. It was only when he lost focus on what Jesus had done for him that it became a problem. But here's what I love about that story more than anything. What does Jesus do? Does Jesus stand there on the water and say, shouldn't have doubted, shouldn't have done it? Immediately, he grabbed him. Peter started falling, and immediately, Jesus grabbed his hand, brought him back up, restored him, and strengthened his faith. You don't need to doubt See, I love that picture because that's exactly what we are called to do. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep them fixed on what He has done. No matter what we are going through, the truth that Jesus has come to us, that He came to this world, that He lived, that He died on the cross for our sins, that remains true. No matter if I'm having a good day or a horrible day, that remains true, that He is near to us. And so, one of the amazing things that we find as we go through these periods of doubt, these periods of questioning, and all the turmoil, you know what we end up finding? Our faith didn't get weaker, it got stronger. Our faith doesn't weaken through these things. Actually, it strengthens them far more than we ever thought. See, that's what Psalm 13 is teaching us. As we go through this lament. As we go through these doubts, actually, it serves not to to weaken, not to break down our faith. It serves to build it far stronger. And we see that all throughout the Bible. God allows people to go through all kinds of trials to build their faith stronger on the other side. We can see it in the Bible. I'm sure we can see it in in most of our lives. In fact, I'll I'll admit, so I, I grew up in a Christian family I had Christian parents, my dad was a pastor. I even went to a Christian school for most of my growing up years. But by the time I got to grade 12, I was done. I was tired of it. I was exhausted by always having to follow these rules, to have to say the right thing. I was tired of seeing all of these people who called themselves Christians and they'd lead worship up in chapel and then on the weekends they'd be off drinking and partying and everything else. And I was tired of seeing that, I was tired of just blindly having to follow what everyone told me to do, so I started actually asking some questions. Why should I believe the Bible? Why should I do any of this stuff? It seems a whole lot easier if I just get rid of it. So, by the time I graduated, I I was fairly fed up with all of this, but I figured I'd give it one last shot. I'm still not exactly sure how God led me to do what He led me to do, but I ended up deciding to go to a Bible college. I wanted to take a year off. I wanted to travel. So I found one all the way on the other side of the world in Northern Ireland, said, great, that's far away. That's what I'm looking for. And I went there. By God's grace, He put me there. Because the truth is, God actually got a hold of my heart, got a hold of my life during that time. I started meeting people who, who weren't faking being Christians. I met people who genuinely believed what they said. They actually followed the Bible. That impacted their life. I realized I could start asking some of these questions I didn't think anyone had answers to. I started asking, why should I care about the Bible? Why should I do this? Why are we doing this and that and all the other things? I realized actually the Bible had answers. That people before me, long before me, had thought and worked through these things, and so I had no intention of essentially doing what this psalm had done, and yet God led me exactly there. See, I thought I was giving God one last shot, one last chance to convince me, and what did I realize? Actually, God was going to use all of those questions, all of those doubts, all of those worries, God was going to use those to build my my faith through them. God actually built my faith far more as I started to work through those doubts. So here's what I want us to say. For for this fall, for this series, let's not be running away from God in our doubts. Let's not be running away. Let's actually run through them. Let's actually go and say we can deal with these things because we have a God who is greater than all of the questions that my mind could come up with. Would you actually follow after Jesus to to press on to know Him more, that He is true no matter what trial we might face? As we doubt our doubts, as we learn to lament, as we seek after Him more and more, let us find Him in all of these things, bringing our complaints, bringing our frustrations to the God who hears and answers our prayers. Let's seek to know Him more and more this fall. Would you pray with me? Father, we we thank You so much, Lord, that that You are a good God who who hears us, who's not scared when we come before You and and we bring our complaints, our our disappointment, our our challenges, our, our questions, or our doubts. Father, we confess we have doubted. Lord, that we have things we don't know how to handle. There are problems that go on in our lives. Lord, we don't have a solution. So, Father, I pray, would you work in us, would you work through us, light up our eyes, Father, that we might see you more and more. Father, fix our eyes upon Jesus Christ, upon the good news that you came to save us. Father, we pray, be with us in this time. Lord, I pray, strengthen our faith. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.